Rahim, Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM, um, Reflections um, with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, uh, although it's going to be slightly um, altered format today, uh, you've been listening to a live appeal, uh, Sajid and Umran, uh, they have been on the airwaves for introducing this uh, beautiful project that we are supporting from on behalf of Radio Ramadan listeners uh, from Glasgow and other places, whoever is listening from wherever um, uh, of this school project that they've been uh, uh, appealing for, alhamdulillah. Throughout this month, we've had a moderately good response um, and we, inshallah, are hopeful that in this last few days, uh, support will ramp up and we will be able to fulfill the pledge that we pledged uh, with these uh, people uh, in Pakistan in their schools, uh, trying to raise the standard of education and raise uh, the literacy rate of Pakistan through these schools so that we can have, inshallah, uh, a place which can live by their faith with some education. Um, We will uh, cover Surah Room as well. Um, And then, inshallah, the later part, we'll introduce this uh, charity project to you. Uh, the listeners who are listening uh, to this program, Reflections. I know you've tuned in for Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, and inshallah that's what we're going to have as a start. So, Surah Room, today's ayahs, and then to my guest. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. فَانظُرْ إِلَىٰ آثَارِ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ كَيْفَ يُحْيِي الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمُحْيِي الْمَوْتَىٰ وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ So observe the effects of the mercy of Allah, how He gives life to the earth after its lifelessness. Indeed, that same one will give life to the dead, and he is over all things competent. But if we should send a bad wind, and they saw their crops turned yellow, they would remain thereafter disbelievers. 
So indeed, you will not make the dead hear, nor will you make the deaf hear the call when they turn their backs retreating. And you cannot guide the blind away from their error. You will only make here those who believe in our verses so they are Muslims in submission to Allah. Allah الذي خلقكم من ضعف ثم جعل من بعد ضعف قوة ثم جعل من بعد قوة ضعفا وشيبة يخلق ما يشاء Allah is the one who created you from weakness, then made after weakness strength, then made after strength weakness and white hair. He creates what he wills, and he is the knowing, the competent. Sadaqallahul Adheem, Surah Al-Rum, and today's verse, which is our focus, inshallah, is آیت نمبر چون ہے جہاں اس سے پہلے والی آیت پہ ہم نے کل کی نشست اختتام کیا تھا کہ اللہ ہی تو ہے جس نے زوف کی حالت سے تمہاری پیدائش کی ابتدا کی پھر اس زوف کے بعد تمہیں قوت بخشی پھر اس قوت کے بعد تمہیں ضعیف اور بوڑھا کر دیا اور وہ جو کچھ چاہتا ہے پیدا کرتا ہے اور وہ سب جاننے والا ہر چیز پر قدرت رکھنے والا ہے السلام علیکم شیخ علیکم السلام ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ سو وی آلموسٹ کائنڈ آف اسٹارٹڈ ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ دس آیا بٹ وی ڈین دس از ا ٹاپک ان سیلف دا لائف سائیکل بیسکلی یو نو ہاؤ ہاؤ یو اسٹارٹ ہاؤ یو ریچ مڈل ایج اینڈ ہاؤ یو دین ریچ the same situation almost that you were born mm-hmm. into being frail and uh, needing help assistance from when you started to when you are almost ending your life so the connection of this ayah with the previous one and also how this is going to take us forward in um in the mazamin in, in the subjects mm. yeah bismillahirrahmanirrahim so this we're coming towards the end of the chapter so this is um the one that you the verse you're talking about is probably 50 verse 54 54 t- talks about the, the the kind of um progression of the human being from the beginning of their life to the end of their life so this kind of um setting it of the different atwar these are kind of um steps and stages of human life that everybody goes through and recognizes very clearly um and so this comes at, at, um just after a discussion about the contrast in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides different types of experiences to people which mm. are tests so you know the the whole idea of um life is that life has different 
experiences. So we know this because we have words to describe different types of experiences, happiness, sadness, mm. um, you know, elation and, and depression. And these kind of expressions are there to, you know, convey that we know that there's different experiences that we have in life, success, failure, pain and, and health. So we, you have all these words that describe, you know, adjectives generally describe this. And so the Quran talks about the experience of life itself and the experience of the natural world and the way that how we re respond to those things tells us a lot about ourselves, our um, makeup, our psychological makeup, our, our responses tell a lot about our degree of faith in what we propose to be our life choices or even what we say and claim is our belief system. And so when, you know, the Quran says when blessings come, you know, people forget. And then when difficulty comes and people, you know, don't show patience. So these are kind of, these are kind of major stages in um, the experience of a person in their life. <coughs> so if you, if you think about it, that's kind of the main thing that people um, pass through in their day-to-day -day life, you know, experiences of ease, ease and hardship and how they respond to that. So the Quran says that experience and the fact that people don't click onto the fact that their responses are not what they should be, which is, you know, gratitude and patience is akin to a person, you know, trying to convince a person who's, who's deaf that they should be able to have the capacity to hear or a person who's blind to be able to see. In other words, these atwar, these are kind of um, stages in, in our experiences, which we don't recognize, we don't take any heed from, we don't take any lessons from, we don't use them to inform how we make decisions. Hmm. And so the Quran then talks about the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is that Allah alladhi khalaqakum, that it's God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that's created you, and this is going to start a whole discussion about um, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates human beings through different stages in their life that then show the ultimate need of human beings to God, hmm. and the ultimate need to have a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in a sense tied to this idea of what do you do when something good happens to you and when something bad happens to you. So again, the response of being patient and thankfulness recognizes that there's a creator, recognizes that there's one that you converse with and are indebted to, recognizes the, the fact that you have one that sustains and protects you. And so all these things are actually intertwined in some way. You know, they're intertwined in the sense that there's a responsibility here and so when Allah says that it's God that created you, hmm. there's this sense that, you know, people might think, well, we created ourselves or we came into being out of nothingness. You know, that, that's one of the biggest philosophical questions is why is there something rather than nothing? You know, why is there the whole experience of, of human humanity, which is essentially a dot in the experience of the world itself, the cosmos, the universe, you know, the existence of intelligent human beings you know, with, you know, religions that we can now um, mark to be, you know, the ones that we have, like Judaism, Christianity, even Hinduism, and the most ancient religions, you know, probably 3,000, 3,500 years old, probably 4,000 years old, the max. And then that's that in terms of our footprint on the universe is tiny. You know, that kind of space is tiny. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that that small space nevertheless does not deny the fact that there is a creator there's a creator why is there something rather than nothing and that creator has a has a connection with us in terms of how he shapes us puts us through experiences and puts us through what we would call atwar or stages of life
Mm. And the stages of life, each of them, in the same way that when you have something to be thankful for, you should be thankful when something when you have something to be patient about, you should be patient. Each of these stages will have something related to them that you is your obligation or some kind of take-home message or some kind of um you know list that you need to do, something you have to actually do. And so here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah, Allah it is God and God alone who created you. Just in case you think that there's some, some other force, min da'fin, and created you out of weakness. You know, out of weakness means like this idea that there's there's this box of content or material, clay, and it's actually, the clay is actually by nature weak. Hmm. You know, the Quran kind of gives this idea to emphasize the, the degree to which weakness is part and parcel of a human being at the beginning. It says you're created from weakness, but you're created hmm. in weakness. You know, what it means is. In a, in a state, state of weakness, in a yeah. state of fragility, in a state of need, in a state of want, and that's the kind of metaphor at the beginning of Surah Iqra. Iqra bismi Rabbika aladhi khalaq khalaq al-insana min alaq. Iqra wa Rabbuka al-akram. So when Allah says, "Read, read in the name of your Lord who created created man from a clot," so the reason why a clot is mentioned right at the beginning of the first revelation is because it shows the weakness of the human being, which nobody can deny. But the point of the Prophet receiving that initially was that people denied that because at that time the Quraysh felt that they were in, in, invincible. And, you know, previous to that, all the enemies of God considered themselves to be untouchable in terms of power and strength and ability. And so the reminder right at the beginning of the Quran, the first revelation given to the Prophet Muhammad was this reminder of the fact that, you know, read in the name of your Lord um, who created, created man from a clot. And that clot is the perfect manifestation, which is basically the fetus, the fetal matter, is the perfect manifestation of complete weakness. And then that stage complete, obviously completes itself in terms of birth. The child is in need of the parent, um, and specifically the mother. Um, for a period, as I said before, mammals have a long period in which they are, they are in need of their parents or parent which is completely different from the animal kingdom other than mammals and human beings more specifically are unique in that sense. And so that da'af requires then, you know, obviously a recognition that you cannot then claim that you're all powerful and all knowing and, mm -hmm. you know, make your own destiny completely. But it also starts to recognize this idea that if you're in a state of weakness, then you need a structure, a social structure, a family structure, uh, a structure of, um, balance and stability that then protects your weakness mm. and so this is what the, the chapter was talking about before that God creates you know you from clay and then he creates you in families and peers loving in, in a state of matrimony and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then creates the context within which you can you have an economy and you can have reflect reflection upon the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all these are structures that you have to have in place as a society and so Allah will say, you know, God has created you from weakness and then he created or made after this state of weakness, strength. Quwa is like, even the word, you know, in onomatopoeia in English, you have this sense that you can you, you can hear the meaning of the word in the expression itself. Quwa mm. in Arabic is the same. Quwa means this power, mm. this, this raw power that people have. And that's this, you know, period, once you go into adolescence and you go into the state of complete physical strength, 
that mm. is what the Quran is describing. And then Allah says, and after that, we will we will create a situation that after their strength, they will have weakness. Mm. And then shaiva is like the, the the frailing, the kind of emaciating of the strength itself, like weakness, but with something else, which is, you know, it's weakness with no potentiality to be strong. Because mm. first, you know, da'af, when it, first of all, it says you created in weakness. That weakness has the potentiality of vibrant strength. You know, the child. Mm. It has, you know, slowly but surely the child will grow into strength. But when Allah says, you know, after strength, weakness, it's at the end of your life, it says, washayba. That, that, that weakness is touched and colored by a, 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 a description which means that it's it's shriveling away, it's wasting away. This is there's a no return to the mm. previous strength that you had, and so mm. Allah says, "Yakhluqu ma yasha." God creates whatever He wills, meaning creates whatever system and and levels of stages of human development that He decided. He could have made it completely different. He could have made it that you're born strong mm. and you go downhill. Could have created that you're born um, weak and you just go into a, 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 you know a exponential growth into strength and then you just die like a star hmm. you know like you create like a star which is you teach reach potentiality and then you just explode in happiness you know think about that so why is it that you have this situation where everybody is created with this cycle the curve going up hmm. and then down up hmm. and then then why is it not a curve no curve it's a line just goes from zero and then just disappears, which is what everybody wants, essentially. Hmm. If you think of modern society, if you think of cosmetics, if you think of the the kind of things that people want to do, e-longevity, and they want to live essentially as long as they can, enjoying themselves forever, nobody, you know, essentially will say, look, if you can guarantee that I'm not going to be ill, I would just like to keep living, hmm. um, enjoying my life. Um why is it not like that? That's the interesting thing about why does Allah create in that specific way? And there's so many different variations. You could, you know, you could you could say many things, but the point is you you mirror the natural seasons, you know. So they have mm -hmm. you, know, you have this you have the spring, then you have the autumn, autumn. summer, winter, and then so the, this kind of you nice. have a you know, so you have yeah, the same kind of thing. The winter period and then you know that is something that we're going to autumn so we're going to spring summer autumn winter that's a night natural cycle of the human being you know in the end they go into hibernation which after which there's no um you know there's no you know waking until there's the proper waking the re-enlivening of the human being you know the day of judgment and that's essentially what the quran will talk about later um but this chapter this verse is actually very interesting because because <clears throat> It's asking you to reflect on why is the why is the stages of human beings in their creation, you know, in this sequence. Which I think it's fascinating. The we, we understand the sequence, uh, but reflection on this, what does it say to me? Is, okay, knowing that there is a life cycle, we know that it's a life cycle. You, you're born weak, then you go uh, strong young middle-aged and frail and you're in a, in a process of decay almost mm -hmm. responsibilities around this life cycle or reflections around this life cycle mm -hmm. yes yeah, so the thing about as, as, you, as you said when you started that you know every set of life has different 
kind of to-do list, if you like. Yeah, to-do list for, for society generally, for human beings that are reading and reflecting and, and, and listening to this um, spread of something we all understand, which is, you know, the human being goes through this cycle even before we knew it. Hmm. This evolutionary um, psychology would tell you that people understood this and biology tells you we understand it because we know that we, we, we come from this fra frailty and then that frailty, then if we survive the frailty, we go into a period of strength and then the strength then starts to wane and then disappears and you die. It's like the natural state of any organism is exactly the same. But the thing with human beings is that we can, through generations, convey our aspirations of mm -hmm. life. So we can, mm -hmm. can, we can write down our aspirations of how we would like to treat, you know, people in a state of weakness. So, mm. you know, the child that's in a state of weakness doesn't have a to-do list themselves, but society has a to-do list. which for, is For the child. For the child, which is, you know, this idea of, you know, it takes a village, as African saying goes, it takes a, a village to, to raise a child. Mm. So this, this, this whole reason for that is the child can't raise itself. It, it, can't raise, it can raise it, it can get to maturity physically, but it can't get to the point that it's, it's a functioning member of a society by itself without being taught etiquettes and manners and language and mm. and the norms of society within which it lives. It requires help in that. It requires education. It requires socialization. You know, there's lots of studies about, you know, in the COVID period, the kind of two years of disruption in, 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 in kindergartens and nurseries led to children being unable to communicate properly outside the kind of the environment that they're in themselves. So the kind of mm. communication skills even if they were going to nursery because, you know, the teachers had masks on, hmm. meant that they were unable to recognize, um, you know, kind of gestures that are expressed by the face. So hmm. children always look at the face and look at happiness, sadness, you know, and so they, they pick up on this is good to do, this is not good to do. And so this is part of what we consider to be a state of weakness, a weakness in terms of not knowing what you should be doing. And also the sense of protection, this kind of social protection and, and this whole idea, even in our society, even the West, the idea of protecting, you know, young children because of the fact they require protection mm. because they're not able to um, make their own decisions. And this is where, you know, Western society gets into a bit of a conundrum because on the one hand, it says they cannot make their decisions. And then, you know, on the other hand, they can join the army at 16. So, mm. you know, like there's all these things that they cannot do and there's all these things they can do. They can go on the other side of the world and blow somebody up because they're mm, old enough to mm. join the army, but there are certain things that they cannot do because they're considered to be immature. And so the Western, Western society in and of itself is full of multiple contradictions in, in terms of this initial stage of laugh. Where is this stage? At what point mm. does it stop? Is it in Islamic law? It's basically once you are physically able to reproduce you know, you know, you're in a state of bulugh in books of fiqh. They was talk about prayer and fasting, all being obligation mm -hmm. when a child mm -hmm. reaches the age of puberty, because at the age of puberty, that's when society should have created a sense of maturity within the person. I'm saying person to the point that they are now considered to, for all intended purposes, to our purposes to be an adult. So the the first phase pre-adolescence, mm -hmm. uh, the, the 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 whole collective wisdom of society is responsible in 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 terms of how you deal with that stage of life yes it's yes yeah, the, the society is responsible for the upbringing of the child itself the parents initially but 
you know, in a wider sense, the society itself, because the da'af is not physical only. Yeah. It's it's weakness in terms of decision making. It's weakness in terms of, um, you know, the kind of manners and etiquettes that the child will have. So there's numerous reasons why they're in need. So da'af is mm-hmm. basically weakness. Weakness require, you know, it, it, it implies need. The need is multiple. It's physical. It's it's not in, in terms so, of nourishing. So, so cultural so norms, conventions, um, law, you know, the legal system, all of that, um, mm-hmm. collectively. So if it's not informed by wahi, then you have um, a different set of to-do lists for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, no, Wahi, I think if part of it, yeah, is revelation, but I think revelation just mirrored in this issue, in these issues, the natural issues, I think it mirrors what people generally understand and recognize anyway. So, you know, the fact if you don't have Wahi, then you're going to say, okay, what's what's in the best interest of the child? And people will make that decision and then they will change it over over, over the generations, you know, so they will, what was okay for a child, you know, 20 years ago won't be okay for a child now. If you look at social media and the kind of spread of social media, you look at peer pressure in terms of um, you know things like gender and all these kind of issues. Hmm. If you look at issues of consent amongst young people for hmm. those kind of things as well, yep. it, it points towards a Pandora's box of inconsistencies in Western culture because they're not sure why you know at what point they, they their their state of weakness turns into a state of strength. You know so. You can empower a child at the age of five or six to make decisions about their gender, but you can't empower the child on anything else. So, you know, well, you said they're not sure. I mean, is, is it that they're not sure, or is it because they're it, in it's... a they're in a quagmire of ideology where they have to accept the child, you know, expressing their own opinion about who they are, essentially, but they can't. But then. When the child does that in a sense which will harm them, then you know usually society would step in and say well, this is not good. But mm-hmm. because the ideology in a certain area of humans human endeavor, which is gender and sexuality, has gone so crazy, they've suspended that whole idea of stopping the child harming themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so the whole point of <clears throat> adults being the people that decide and and navi- help navi- help the child navigate the issues they're going through has just been suspended mm-hmm. for what we understand to be a weak decision-making process with the child themselves. Mm-hmm. So it shows a complete lack of 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 um, direction from adults, essentially mm-hmm. buckling under an ideology which tells them that they cannot encroach upon this specific issue, despite the fact that they know. As adults, that this is going to be detrimental to the child. So, you know, when Allah says that we created you from weakness, it means that their their their, their capacity to make decisions is is diminished. That's the mm. whole point. I mean, no society I know of, apart from the modern society we're living in, is going through such a a, 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 a paradox. Mm. And so. The revelation set. I mean, you're saying so. Without revelation, do we know this? Yeah, we know it without revelation. We don't need revelation to tell us that a child before puberty, but for all intended purposes, has diminished ability to make decisions. You mm. do have children, and I've been to many countries where the children, even under the age of puberty, are seem to be very mature, more mature than most of adolescents and teenagers and young adults I've met in mm. the West. You know, in terms yeah. of maturity, just just yeah. sense sense. 
sensibility, you know, just common sense, basically, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, have, yeah. you have like 56-year-olds sitting on couches playing video games and behaving like children. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact you saw the, the kind of the body hair or facial hair, you would think that this was an 11-year-old. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. through their mannerisms, the way they eat, the way they sit, the way everything happens. You you, you know, but the thing is, sexual maturity in terms of bulur and adolescence coming in, are generally good indicators of the capacity for, for a human being to make decisions for themselves. And what sure. society does, it always creates a protective layer upon them, so mm. it extends it longer. Mm. This is what mm. happened in the West. It's still 18, you're kind of still, you know, you know, you cushioned and, 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 and covered with cotton wool because, you know, they think you're still daf. But then the daf, you know, in certain issues, they don't. They think you're able to make decisions for yourself, but it's clear that you're not. And so in Islamic law, you have all the whole structure of even um, a person who, you know, even at the age of maturity, after bulugh, after 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 puberty, could be in a situation where they're you know, 20, 25, and they have diminished responsibility because they're just, they're, they don't have to know how to look after themselves. Mm-hmm. Not because they have incapacity in mentally, but because their decision making is just all over the place. اللہ ہی تو ہے جس نے زوف کی حالت سے تمہاری پیدائش کی ابتدا کی پھر اس زوف کے بعد تمہیں قوت بخشی پھر اس قوت کے بعد تمہیں ضعیف اور بوڑھا کر دیا تو یہ تین سٹیجز ہیں جس پہ گفتگو چل رہی ہے کہ ہر سٹیج کی اپنی اپنی ذمہ داری ہے انسان پہ خود اور جب وہ اس پوزیشن میں نہیں ہو کہ وہ ذمہ داری سے نبردازما ہو سکے تو اس کے ارد گرد کے ماحول کی ذمہ داری ہے کہ اس کی نشونما کرے اور اس کی صلاحیتوں کو پروان چڑھائے اور اس کو اس طرح سے معاشرے کا حصہ بنا دے کہ وہ تمام معاشرے کے لیے ایک مفید شخص کے طور پہ زندگی گزار سکے اس پہ مزید گفتگو کریں گے انشاءاللہ اس ایڈ بریک کے بعد ہماری پروگرام میں اس وقت ہمارے مہمان ہیں شیخ رضوان ریفلیکشنز at Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. Mere Rab Sad break uh, today uh, in Glasgow it is 25th of Ramadan uh, iftar is going to be at 8 54 prior to reflections 
uh, you've been listening to a live charity appeal um, with uh, our hosts uh, highlighting the project that we have this year, adopting a school, uh, adopting a school in Pakistan for people who cannot afford education and is £100 a month for an entire year is £1,200. Our phone number for uh, joining us in this campaign is 374-3544. I'll give you the number again. It's 375-3434. Sister Sidra, uh, she will be on the other side of the phone uh, taking your calls for any more details that you would like to know. Uh, Details are also on our website. Uh, when you go into rr365.co.uk forward slash donate, you'll see a list of schools where you could choose one that is closest to where you normally go and visit Pakistan, uh, rural areas of Pakistan, um, like Khanewal, Miawali, Mansehra, Rahim Yar Khan, Chakwal, Sialkot, and uh, other places, uh, the, the, the outskirts of some of the small and big cities. Bihari, Faisalabad, Jhang, Rawalpindi, Sargoda, um, and Narwal. So these are the areas where the schools are uh, with children uh, either paying very little fee or none because they can't afford. And what we have done is like you adopt a child, you adopt a school so that you become affiliated with a school for at least a year. And if you like the experience and you associate yourself and your family with the school, inshallah, you will be able to partner up with it for many, many years to come. And that way you will see the children grow into uh, useful uh, citizens of a country that requires a lot of help from people who left the country for uh, a different experience in their life, like like of the listeners that we have in Glasgow. So, uh, Sheikh, we, we spoke about the, the first part of this ayah, collective responsibility of the society towards children Mm. in that stage of life. Mm. It is Allah who created you in a state of weakness, then after weakness, he gave you strength. Mm. And it is this stage where we as collective society has responsibility. And just, I, I, I never planned this to be honest, when I announced the charity, this came to my mind. This is probably one of the many things that we can do to discharge our responsibility as as, as a community towards mm-hmm. the state of weakness. Yeah, so I mean, when I did I did say that it takes a, a village to raise a child, I didn't know you were doing that um, charity drive. But the thing is, the the child will have that state of weakness, so the mm-hmm. weakness will be there, and biologically, the child will get through that state of weakness if they have basic nutrition. The child will get through that and they will get to the stage of power or mm. strength. So, you know, it's because it's Allah is saying Allah, it's Allah that's created you in a state of weakness. And mm. then he will turn this this state of, after this state of weakness, he will put into you strength and power. So it's, it's that's going to happen anyway. So if because we're mammals from that perspective, we're going to go through a, a stage of weakness biologically and we're going to go through from that changed by God into a state of strength. That's the way that God has planned the whole human cycle of existence. You know, 
whether you, you take a biological explanation or a theological explanation doesn't make any difference. The point is we're talking about the wisdom behind how biology works. And so that will happen. But the mm. thing about the thing that's changed makes is the difference between a thinking society, a caring society, a, you know, a, a society which has some sort of purpose and one that does not is that they they make sure that in that state of weakness there's preparation for the period of strength. Mm. It's, so the whole issue is the, the, the child will become at some point strong. Mm-hmm. Now, without socializing it, without, um, you know, socializing, meaning giving it the social norms of how societies work and societies operate, which essentially means to educate them through an education system, that power can be used for, for normally for bad because if you do not educate what the what the person does is they understand the power to be used to survive hmm. themselves biologically and nothing else. And so, why do you think you have people like Pharaoh, you have Abu Jahl, you have all these arch enemies of God mentioned in the Quranic text? They're all there because you know, in this process of going from the state of fragility they had, and then to the point that they got to this point of strength and power, there wasn't that education, that socialization that terbiyah that we understand, that mm. would make that person into a good citizen of the society within which it was, it was operating. What it did do was underline the biological, the, the, the animalistic tendencies which exist within human beings. And when that comes, then what you have is wars, you have attrition, you have injustice, you have all these things because of the fact, lack of mercy, all these because the education which is to... Which is to hone the child's animalistic instincts to be instinctively considered considered and concerned about other people, that's missing. Mm. And so the whole mm. point of education, if you think about it, is in a sense to protect society from these young kids, if you want to really mm. understand it. Because if you do not educate them, they're going to they're going to be harmful to harm of harm to themselves and to other people. Mm. You know, at the basic level. But if you're able to do the education properly, then what you end up doing is that these people that are, you know, human biological entities end up becoming productive parts of society mm-hmm. and then create a society that everybody wants to be part of mm-hmm. because they'll come into the workforce and they will, you know, end up, you know, doing things that you are proud of. Mm-hmm. And so a society which is not built, built in education, this is what um, Rosenthal, he's a famous Orientalists talked, you know, spoke, spoke about Islamic civilization. He said Islamic civilization is the only civilization which is essentially a knowledge civilization. You know, it was based and founded upon the idea of knowledge, mm-hmm. of acquisition, of, of experience, of wisdom. And it built all the infrastructure that it had based on that simple thing. Whereas other ones had based upon, you know, architecture or, you know, a, a, a concept of religion such as, you know, hierarchy of powers for example or they it was based upon military powers and strength and and conquest islam was based upon the conquest of knowledge hmm. and so there's so many different reasons why you know when i was talking about that the first <coughs> revelation about education but the first re- revelation about education tying it in with the state of weakness that human beings have you know in hmm. the state hmm. of the fetus indicating that you know that fetus in some, in some way, there is a connection between order to, 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 to recite and the mention right away of the fetus because the fetus needs to be 
you know, brought up in a state of literacy. Literacy mm -hmm. stops wars, stops famines, because people in a state of literacy know what to do to stop and avert things that are bad for societies. And so I used to always like wonder why do people put so much emphasis on education? You know, I thought, well, it's all about money, but the point is a society which does not have education and a highly educated workforce, you know, it, it has no future really because it can't, you know, it can't, um, it can't adjust to the changes in, that they see in society, mm -hmm. a global society. So I don't know if you watched something. It was yesterday. It was there was um, an interview with the new um, Pakistani finance minister, and they were talking. There was a panel of people, and they were asking him what he thought about the 3.0 revolution in technology. And um, I don't know if you've seen this. And then no, I couldn't see that. No, I yeah. It. So it was quite funny because. Um, our finance minister, or your finance minister, depending on you, <laughs> he, had, he didn't even know what this thing was. And so there was a whole mm. conversation about the Pakistan needs to take advantage of this new revolution, which is going to take place over the next 15 years. And he's, he, he, because the finance minister, you'd imagine you know about these challenges. He had no idea what it was a lack of education. Yeah. Lack of education yeah. means lack of opportunity, means opportunity missed, means, you know, let's say 50 million people are going to be extra people in poverty because of the lack of knowledge of that person. That's what's going to happen because they won't plan for that eventuality. Whereas places like Singapore and Malaysia may plan for it. This person will think, well, we need to make sure that leather bags are made properly or whatever. He doesn't mm -hmm. realize there's a massive opportunity there. So education has, you know, unending potential. This is why, you know, big companies that are, that are on the cutting edge of, of, of technology and, and, and development, they hmm. always, they, 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 you know that they always employ the most competent people regardless of their skill set. You know, they, hmm. So they don't say, okay, who can pack the box the best? Hmm. They will say, okay, who can, who can, who can think, who can think critically? And, and so what's more important than, you know, employing somebody that knows how to do a job is somebody who just knows and loves to learn. Yep, and this is why in, in you know one of the, yeah one of the poets he says in Kunta di Hajat in Mursil and Farsal Hakim and Wala Tusihi, he said if you if you ever have to need have the need to send somebody for an errand or something you need to have done, then he said send somebody wise or or knowledgeable, and don't tell them what to do. Just send them because they'll know what to do themselves. Because there's been multiple <laughs> possibilities of what needs to be done. Just send that person; they'll sort it out. But imagine you have to send a person with instructions, you know, like one, two, three, four, and they get the instructions mixed up and they go and try and, you know, um, implement it. They can still do it because they don't think outside the box. That's the mm, that's a, the biggest challenge, at least I have, or probably you know, well, most people. Well, yeah, because think about education. Think about education. The reason that we need education, and just even that basic education is yeah. that it, it creates a society which thinks outside the box, you know, and challenges, yeah, challenges we, we, we have. We, I had an amazing interview, which has to be, still to be aired. I, I, I was with Dr. Sohail of mm -hmm. National Zakat Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it really was fascinating for me, you know, how uh, people in UK are now thinking of collecting zakat and spending on people of UK. And mm -hmm. there is a need, mm -hmm. and here we are 
uh, I mean, that, that's something uh, which is needed, which is only 5% of the charities probably are doing that. 95% goes abroad. But here we have a project which is overseas, uh, which is in Pakistan. Um, just a balance of both. How would you see it as a scholar that both are necessary and how would this be rewarding for people here and how this can still qualify for something that we as a community partake? Yeah, I think that, the, I mean, I had, I had a conversation with um, Dr. Sahil as well, I am hmm. a couple of days ago as well. So, you know, we are on, on the similar page in terms of the the, the, the need to balance out the, the way that we have international and national zakat distribution. Um, I, I think the, the main thing is to build institutions in the UK and then to have a strong, vibrant community which which understands the power of charity itself because they see the power of charity. I, I would say would make a, a, a community which actually gives much, much more, even internationally, because, you know, you take a person out of poverty here who then earns, you know, I know from knowing people like that, that their expenditure in charity to help other people is far greater because, you know, the thing, the thing about charity is that what we are told to give in zakat is a, is a small proportion of our wealth. Hmm. And the whole eye-opening concept of how charity can change a person's life only really happens if you yourself are in need or know somebody directly in need and you see how it changes their life to be mm. self-sustaining, confident, independent. And then that person, you know, I know lots of people, business people in, in, in the Muslim world of that nature who went through poverty and then are kind of extremely rich. And their giving is different from the giving of a person who's probably born into um rich you know kind of riches completely True. different you know completely different mindset you know the the volume of charity the type of charity the strategic nature of charity and so you know i think it's always good to to be strategic in your charity there's no reason to give to both and there's no reason why one is exclusive over the other mm-hmm. the, the, the conversation about charity and zakat has to be tangible to us in the uk and that's why i think you're raising awareness of what charity can do, what benefit it can have, whether there's actually um, actual need in the society itself and how to define need. So mm. that all that mm. is important because remember if you if you if, if all you if all the UK becomes or the Muslim community in the West becomes is a community that sees a poster and, and then sends money somewhere really distant, I would think that that's like playing a, a computer game where you have no sense of reality between what you're doing and what's happening. But the reason, the thing that you said interesting is that, you know, people can give to a place where they visit. Yeah. And so the whole idea is there is a footprint in another country that you should go and visit and, and have the obligation to go and visit and see what effect that has. Hmm. Most people might not have that opportunity, but it's enough that it's there. It's, it's enough that there's a tangible change that you can find out about there. But it's yeah. also this need to have a conversation about how charity actually f- actually with individual people makes a difference and I so I think yeah there's a big conversation to be had but it doesn't stop people giving I mean the whole point is just because you have a conversation about where charity should go whether it's you know, the, you know abroad internationally or here doesn't stop the need to give in the first place so there is uh, on our website readeramadan.scot forward slash donate there is a list of schools that says explore the schools with Ghazali Education Trust um I've been personally 
I had the privilege of working with this charity as a volunteer for many, many years, uh, like kind of raising awareness about their work in 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 UK here in Glasgow. Uh, and whenever I visit Lahore, Pakistan, uh, I've I've been to many of their schools uh, and the impact. And some of the children, uh, because this was found founded in two thousand and two. Some of the children have now gone on to become doctors, engineers, um, you know, uh, civil services, mm. army, and, and they, they come from really uh, kind of underprivileged background. Uh, the impact they've become teachers, they've become alumni, where they are now affecting the change with their own pockets as well. So they mm. they have gone beyond the, the cycle of poverty. They they've socially mobile upwards. Mm. And, and the, you know, the hundred thousand students, uh, five thousand teachers with this project, and you, you see, well, Sheikh, when I was in Pakistan, I, I was having a program with you there for Islamic conversations, and the experience I think I personally had meeting those people who are running the projects—it's a mm. spiritual experience in itself. Mm-hmm. You know, the barakah that brings in their lives, and they are. Not rich people, but in terms of money, but they are rich people in terms of the way they live their lives for a purpose, mm. and they're attached to something so passionately. They're working like 12, 14, 18 hours sometimes a day, traveling mm. all over, up and down the country, mm. trying to make sure that the project they've taken um, uh, taken on runs smoothly. It expands. It becomes scalable. And out of a population of, you know, 22 million, uh, t- sorry, 200 million, mm-hmm. uh, 60%, 220 million, 60% of children are still out of school. Mm. And only 40%. And absolutely shocking. I mean, that is absolutely shocking in terms of lack of a whole generation, majority of generation is out of schooling, of education yeah. of any type. Yeah. So sorry, yeah. it's 40, 40, 60. 40 percent is out of school. Sixty percent is in mm. school. Okay, uh, and still, I mean, that's still like, huge. You know, if you get to like ten percent not in school, that's like a major warning sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So forty percent of uh, Pakistani children not in school even. So uh, okay, hundred thousand is not significant, but again, it's better than zero. Hundred thousand is a lot. Hundred thousand. Many people you have in Scotland. Yeah. So 100,000 children. Um, what we're saying is, please adopt a school. We need a few families to come forward in this part of the program. I would say, if I can set a target of 10 families, uh, adopting 10 schools, that would really encourage us behind the mic here uh, and encourage a lot of people in Glasgow. 375-3434 is the number. Uh, you are tuned into. Uh, reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad and I'm just going to ask Sheikh again to just give us a bit on spending in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know how it is transformational for us mm. in our in, in our lives mm. I mean take it from the context of the verse itself because the verse we were talking about just before the break was that God is, is God and God alone who created you from weakness and then from the weakness he turned you into a state of strength so the point is that you have your strength and weakness is ways that we find out and understand situations. You have strength, weakness, hot, cold. You have the alternatives or the opposites. 
And so you have in the in the sense of wealth, you have these these opposites of um miserliness and generosity. <coughs> and so <clears throat> the idea, whole idea of generosity and, and miserliness is that you know them from their opposites. So there's like you know, there's a whole genre of poetry, you know, you know, against um, miser, misers in Arabic, because it's kind of a lot of poets mm. used to mock people that were miserly. And there's one point in which the person said, "You see them standing up in prayer as soon as a guest comes, out of the fear that they're going to have to feed the the guest. So Lame. you know, when a guest comes, <laughs> they will all of a sudden say, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, and they'll start praying." Because they don't want to give some food to the to the poor. That's like a sense of what you know miserliness to the to the maximum extent. They will just use prayer to to hide to stop them giving. And so the Prophet Ali Salatu Salam, you know, he there's a number of hadith that come to mind. One of which is, you know, where do you want to be? You know, what where do you want to be in terms of the major things in your life? So there's people, there's God, there's paradise. If you're if you're a believer, that's essentially what it is. And then, hmm. what's your relationship to that? The Prophet mentioned it in a hadith in which he said, "You know, as saqiyu qaribu min Allah, qaribu min jannati, qaribu min nasi, ba'idu min nar." A generous person is is close to God, close to people, close to paradise, and distant from hellfire. So right away, you know that generosity it, it has an effect, which is closeness to God, closeness to paradise, closeness to people, because people love generosity. I mean, people don't like people that are miserly. And it said that even miserly people don't like miserly people, you know. So you know, there's kind of a strange <laughs> dynamic between people that can juice, monkey juice, you know that saying. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. You know, that they're they're so miserly that they will even drink the blood of a, a fly. La ilaha illallah. Yeah. So, so may Allah protect us from that. <laughs> and then the Prophet also said that you know, al, 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 uh, you know, the, the person who's miserly, al bakhil distant from God, distant from people and distant from paradise and close to hellfire so there's the kind of your action has, you know, if you had nodes of activity your action has an effect on all these important things paradise, hellfire, God, people so the Prophet mentioned it in a way that you know, there's always ways of giving there's always places that you can give what you look mm. at is things that have maximum impact, but leave aside the impact. The, the biggest gen, you know benefactor is the person themselves that gives, because mm. if you think of that hadith, it's 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 you give. We're not talking about what happens when you give. The effect of giving, which is to educate these children, which is an enormous, you know, mm. boon and, and and blessing. But the first thing is like, what what happens to you? Where are you? Like when mm. you're when you're generous as a person. What change does that make? And mm. and remember, gen being generous is a state of mind. So it's not as if you will be generous just when you give. You're always generous. Like if you don't have, you wish you had. Mm. That general that state of generosity is a state of being. It's a state of existence. And so you know, the whole point of educate. You know, if if you educate a child, one of the things you educate them on is obviously, um, you know, generosity. Like Imam Al-Maturidi says that you should teach your children about generosity and charity in the same way that you teach them about the shahada. You know, mm. in the same way that we tell our children, say that, you know, before you go to bed and you know, we tell them that this is what you should be saying, the kalima. Mm. He said you should, you should teach your children about the importance of generosity in the same 
way that you teach them about this because he said if there's no bad if there's no evil or or bad consequence in in miserliness except having a bad opinion about Allah that's sufficient because essentially you know when you have a when you're miserly you're miserly because you think what I give will not come back to me hmm. Hmm. and essentially that's a bad opinion about God that you you're, you're basically saying look if I give this ten pounds or a hundred pounds or a thousand pounds that is gone and you're saying well God will not give me it back it won't come back to me in, in a blessing that's hmm. a really bad opinion about God if that's how you're thinking okay if you're not thinking that then what are you thinking hmm. Hmm. promises it will come back to you in blessing Allah so Allah. you know people always kind of kind of go around beat around the bush in terms of generosity I think and you I, said I, it yourself yeah. You said it yourself, Lona Tofel, he said, yes. our elder, he said it's like a, you know, it's, it is this kind of thing that you give it from the best. And it's also yeah. like a, it's like a guest, you know, it comes and it goes very quickly. The, the, the impulse to give. Yes. You know, it's something that, you know, comes and goes very quickly. Uh, our phone number is 375-3434. Um, and, and the project we are supporting in last few, uh, coming up for Iftar. Uh, in in next 15 20 minutes inshallah we're looking for i, I my, my hunch is there's no hundreds thousands uh listen mm. at this time uh mm. there are a few thousand who listen to radio ramadan at this time and i'm only looking for at least 10 people 10 families who can adopt a school mm. uh, adoption for a year is 1200 pounds estimated cost of meeting a deficit to keep the school running. There are over 700 schools that are run by uh, the Al-Ghazali Education Trust, who we've partnered up with. Uh, we, we bring a project every year for the people of Glasgow to have their zakat and sadaqat invested in, to have an impact somewhere in the society and bring the blessings back home, inshallah. Um, and we're asking 100 pounds a month over the next 12 months or a lump sum of 1,200 pounds for at least 10 families in this next few 15 to 20 minutes, inshallah. Uh, ring again, 375-3434. For more details, you can go on our website, radioramadan.scot forward slash donate or rr365.co.uk forward slash donate. And you'll find a school list. And um, I'm glad that Sheikh liked this idea that uh, you... Choose a school which is closer or which you can possibly visit at some point. You can contact Sister Rabia, Maizun, um, Kamran, um, myself, Sajid, uh, Dr. Javed Dil, or any of the people that you know from Ramadan, 375 3434. You can contact us for more details and actually make a bond with these schools uh, where there are at least 100,000 children. Uh, under education there with about 5,000 teachers and even teachers are the ones who are deserving candidates because they are going to be from that village mm. where the the school is so uh, it's low cost so that costs are met and it becomes a sense of community in that school uh, children would know the teacher and teacher would know the children from their own village and that's how they're trained um, we, we had Brother Amir from uh, Ghazali Education Trust the other day. And mashallah, you know, if you look at him, uh, big, nice, white, long beard, uh, a scholar, 
uh, and his uh, in research and development. And his research and development at the moment, Sheikh, is that they are they did a study where teachers did not know how to approach Sira of the Prophet mm-hmm. And in that study, they 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 had the results back. The majority of Muslim population has never have never had a formal interaction with the seed of the Prophet. Mm. So they had scholars around and they said, let's come up with some formal curriculum how mm. teachers should approach Sira and they should introduce the Sira of Prophet to these children. Mm. Uh, something that's not been done before in that in that way. Mm. So lucky in a way for this for these kids, although not a very high standard school just to make them literate but educate them in a way that they will have an impact on the society mm. so something that was worth considering and obviously with a lot of people listening i would like your endorsement for this one uh, i'm saying it very very straight that how would people be convinced that this is something they should be part of I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not on the ground with the organisation, but I know the organisation. I've kind yeah. of looked through the, the the projects. I know the projects. You know, as much as you can, you know that you know the project exists. You've met the people. You know the philosophy. You've explained the philosophy a number of times, which is that this is not completely sponsoring the the the, the school. It is making up the shortfall of what they have in place to meet the needs of the schools themselves. So basically. The schools are set up in a way that they are, in some way, self-funding as well. Yeah. So there's there's a sense of minimizing costs. There's a sense of making decisions that you know limit the outgoings and the need of the school itself. And this is essentially to top up what essentially would be beyond the need the, the means of a, of a of a village or a town, so that it's able to then keep running. So that's the whole idea. Yeah. And so from that perspective, it is one of the most interesting projects because it ticks so many boxes it ticks the education box it ticks a box of t- box of, of raising the next generation it ticks a box of i think intelligent investment and intelligent charity giving because the people behind the charity have thought about the fact that you know we don't just want all the money to come externally we need to have some kind of sustaining method and sustainability within our school system and what we then need is what is beyond our capacity, the local capacity, the local community's capacity. That's where we need help. Mm. And so, you know, in that sense, it's it's a very wide, you know, network of schools with a very clear philosophy, a, a clear idea of what they want to produce. And I think in that sense, it's a very, very good project. That people should definitely um, look into, but also, you know, the looking into means, you know, where is the school ne- nearest to myself? You got the extra funds, you know. People always have. The good thing is, we always invest. We always have money set aside for, you know, investing for a rainy day. But you know, there, I've never met anybody who doesn't invest or or understand they want to invest or think about investing, except that they've got another investment after the investment that they've already made. Mm-hmm. You know, so they might say, okay, I want to have this for stability in the future. Then when they once they've got that, they want this for stability. You know. The Prophet did say that, you know, the only thing that will satisfy the son of Adam is the dust of their own grave. So no. it's like it's like this. It's, a, it's an interesting one that doesn't go away. Unless you make a, a, a systemic break from that mindset, you'll always want, you know, the Quran has this theme, you know, 
that they just constantly enumerate their wealth. So this mm. is a kind of a disease that we have in a society which is more prosperous than any society in human history. You know, not mm. just the West, I'm talking generally, you know. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of, you know, poverty, absolute poverty, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's like at the time of what, it would be probably in the, in the, in the late, late 80s, mm. you know, the degree of absolute poverty at that time is nothing compared to what it is now. Now it's, it's you know, the, it's slashed in terms mm. of absolute poverty. There's more people poor, but as a percentage of the world population, there's less people poor. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Like, there's like 40% of the world's population was in ab- abject poverty in, in, in the late 80s. And now it's mm-hmm. like 10%. 10% is a lot. Mm-hmm. But the point is that there's more people that have than don't have. Mm-hmm. And we're in a society, you know, due to Allah's blessing of how, you know, Allah, you know, makes things happen that we're not, uh, you know, not fairly, we're in a kind of king, king like state of affluence essentially and so yeah uh, our phone number is 3753434 what we're saying is partner up with a school adopt a school as if you're adopting a child but you're adopting many many children by adopting a school uh, and having the reward of uh, um, the contentness as well of seeing these children becoming more and more useful and breaking the cycle of poverty as well and having an impact uh, in their society, becoming useful, uh, becoming Muslims who are confident. Uh, they um, so one school will cost twelve hundred pounds. That's hundred pounds a month, or a lump sum of twelve hundred pounds. Uh, you can donate online on our website, and also uh, possibly uh, you can phone us three seven five three four three four is a number. And if you want to uh, drop some cash, it is at Strawberry Gardens. Uh, in 4th Street next to, Mas- next to Masjid Noor. Um, and Sheikh, we've been covering Surah Room. And in all the Surah, was, I, I've kind of like, uh, not in, in a way asking questions for the sake of asking, I have genuinely on behalf of listeners really uh, struggled with this idea of how to remain spiritual while you toil for livelihood and the answers i've had from you throughout this month is what does it matter gdp you know gross income becoming more affluent than what you are what really matters is the connection with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through shukr through sabr um, as an individual, as a society, society is not judged or society is not gauged as successful only because they have a higher GDP. Mm-hmm. And people are not gauged successful if they have more money in their bank or they have more real estate mm-hmm. in their name. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the, the, the feelings of shukr of whatever we have and feeling of sabr is what difficulty we're facing is is the real reality of life well the thing is there's two things one is you know having sabr and shukar that's like thankfulness and patience but the other thing that the chapter does emphasize is the obligations of doing things as well so choice is your obligation 
Um, making the right choice, obviously, is the right obligation. And um, but there's there's complete separate things like having a, a strong economy, having a strong workforce, having a good educated workforce. All these things are are desirable because they indicate ihsan, they indicate ihsan, they indicate proficiency and and studiousness. But the thing is that most things in life happen despite your own plans and your own um, efforts. And so it's those things that the Quran then talks about when it talks about patience and gratitude. You know, you work hard and you get, you know, you achieve what you want. You achieve you achieve that partly by saying to Allah, you know, I, I show gratitude to you for giving me the opportunity to make use of my potential to achieve this. You know, usually it's not this the case that you just get, you know, a massive amount of wealth that you're acting. You know, that's inheritance, whatever. But the thing is, that doesn't happen. Shukr hmm. is for Allah allowing you to make the choices and use your abilities to do something that creates this feeling of shukr in you. Hmm. And when a situation goes wrong, you have to do sabr, which is, you know, part of it's going to be how the world works and something happens in your life, which is difficult. You have sabr for that. And you also have sabr for the fact that you try and you strive and you struggle and it doesn't work. You have sabr mm. because you, mm. you dust yourself down and you, get, and you get back up. So there's two different things. One is your <clears throat> personal responsibility and your acquisition, your choices. The Quran tells you how to use your choices, how to make decisions, how to act. You know, in the ladina amanu amidu salihat is a constant refrain in the Quran. Those that believe, believe meaning, believe that everything comes from God. Mm. Good and bad comes from God. And not, it doesn't just mean believe in God. It means believe in how Allah has set up creation. And those that do good actions based upon that knowledge. That's the, that's the kind of the ingredients that lead to for example. It's those people that will have these abundant um, gardens of paradise which you know are, 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 are watered. So the whole point is there's two things. One is gratitude and, and, and thankfulness and, and patience. And the other hand, there's the other aspect of really trying your, your best, trying your hardest, using your choices, volition, to make decisions that you know will allow you to have an ethical, pure, blessed life. So I think they're, they're exactly the same. There's, no, there's definitely not a sense that the whole purpose of life is just due to shukr and sabr without you doing anything. Without planning, without yeah, kind of you know, just aspirational, and, you know, just sitting and just reacting to things that happen. You mm -hmm. know, you first of all, you can't just sit and just wait for things to happen. You have to get up. Yeah, yeah. You have to eat. You have to drink. So the whole point is, in doing that, now you have to make the right decisions in eating, drinking, earning a livelihood, giving in charity, helping people or not helping people. That's all choices. Mm -hmm. And in the whole, you know, the kind of it's, it's a kind of a, a quagmire of activity when things go bad you have sabr when things go well you do shukar and that's it so it's, it's a result of you moving about and then responding and reacting to the things that happen that you have sabr and shukar not that you just sit like a yogi mm. under a tree and then you know when something good happens you you tweet alhamdulillah and when something bad happens you tweet you know you know ashkuruhu and i'm fasbiru and all these kind of things you don't kind of sit there and not react mm. Mm -hmm. Yourself, you have to initiate things. Sheikh, I know uh, that we have to finish in next minute or two. Um, we 
kind of got away from the ayah, uh, we introduced the charity. Inshallah, you reckon that we will be continuing with this same ayah tomorrow because I think we only covered the first part of this uh, responsibility of society towards this weak soul. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we just, <clears throat> you know, just covered the first, which is, a, is God part. that's created you out of weakness or from weakness or in weakness. Yeah. And then after, and, and then so what was the whole idea of weakness? So the whole idea of weakness was, does that mean physically, biologically? Does it mean mentally, psychologically? And what responses that have on parents, society towards the weak person? We can, I think that's all we discussed. Yeah. After that comes this idea of, you know, after the weakness is strength. What does that strength mean? What's responsibility with strength? You know, what does strength imply here as well? Is it physical, spiritual? What does it mean? And then the, the whole downward spiral as well, I think, has a whole discussion about what the responsibilities and needs of, of that phenomena are. Because in, in this day and age, there's a lot of um, emphasis on the quwa and not enough observation on the da'af. And in, mm. in societies now, if you think about it, in the West, for example, you know, Germany allowed so many, you know, the number of refugees they allowed in over the last two years is because their population is going to terminal decline. Mm -hmm. Japan's the same, Italy's the same, Spain's the same. You know, populations that had a very high birth rate are going into negative territory, which essentially means that within two generations they will end up dying. That's mm -hmm. basically what it means. I mean, even though it sounds dramatic, you know, if you do not, do not replenish your populations, at a certain point you have no population to reproduce. And then what happens is the whole that whole country will just fall apart. And so, you know, this cycle that the Quran is talking about is actually very important in terms of politics, in terms of economics, in terms of social policy. And mm -hmm. most people would just, you know, snigger at it and say, well, it's just a hocus pocus. Allah is the one who has given you the power of your قوت بخشی پھر اس قوت کے بعد تمہیں ضعیف اور بوڑھا کر دیا اور جو کچھ ہے وہی پیدا کرتا ہے اور وہ سب جاننے والا ہر چیز پر قدرت رکھنے والا ہے دس واز آیا نمبر 52 آف سوری 54 آف سورہ روم 30 سورہ آف قرآن جزاک اللہ خیر شیخ فار بینگ ویڈ اس اگین ایوری ڈے می اللہ ریوارڈ یو اینڈ آئی تنگ دس آل وی ہیو فار ریفلیکشنز فلک ان سے آگے تلک جتنی دنیا ہے سب میں تیری جھلک سب سے لیکن جدا اے خدا اے خدا